whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, that this isn't a man. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black thing. Squatch DTV, exploring the Bigfoot mystery each week with your hosts, veteran researcher, author, and TV personality, the Squatch Detective, Steve Culls, and from the Bigfoot Research Project of Kentucky, Chris Bennett. Sit back and buckle up as we bring you guests from around North America discussing the Bigfoot phenomena, but not without a few laughs, too. Here are your hosts, Steve and Chris. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch TV for today's date, November 15th, 2020. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective Steve Coles, along with my co-host, hey, Mr. Steve. Chris Bennett. What's been going on, my man? What is happening? Yes, we're on the we're on the double shot today. Yeah, so. I noticed that. That's, that's pretty cool. I feel like I'm like you know I have you above me and below me. <laughs> yes, and uh, I well we we'll say hi, our hellos to folks oh, in a minute. Yeah, but um, whoop, I don't know what is going on with that. Oh, 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 I got some good news. A couple of months ago, when the grass was really tall. My uh, my lawnmower, or well, one of them, blew up. Uh, the little riding lawnmower. Oh and yes! So I, I took it to the shop to get the engine replaced, and um, they finally called me. You know, yesterday I think left a message. I think it's ready. Of course, you know the, the leaves have like fallen now, so <laughs> uh, I don't really need it now. But that's okay. I'll go pick it up. <laughs> yeah, nothing like you know mowing the lawn in the fall. 
Well, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, anyway, let, let's get our hellos out of the way, and then oh. we'll talk. We'll have a little talk first, and we'll get into the. We'll get in. We got a, a fun clip for you guys tonight, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, showing you. We'll get a good laugh out of that, and it has nothing to big, nothing to do with Bigfoot or politics or COVID or anything like that. Good. But um, we well, let's say hi to our folks. Hello, B. Good to see hi, you, B. John. Good to hi, see John. you. Welcome. Diane, good to see hi. you. I hope we see Mr. Wonton in here soon. Yeah, hi, Diane. Hello to Mike. Mike, what's going on? Tag. He looks so serious in that picture, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Yeah. Joe, what's going on? Great picture, by the way. Great picture. Hi, Joe. Joe. Carrie, how you doing tonight? Carrie. And, uh, hey, I'm in Chris. Spot will win a Snapple. Well, kind of. I, uh, I got my own right here, so... Well, I'm a ski I, I, drinker, but I have drank Snapple. It's, it's some, okay. I, I have my energy drink and my green tea here tonight, so just to keep Usually, my Usually, yeah. Uh, in Kentucky, we drink iced tea by the gallon, so it's actually cheaper for us, but, you know, some cheaper. More thrifty, thrifty? <laughs> for us to, like, make it by the gallon. That's it. Yeah, well, exactly. So, anyway, uh, folks, uh, I, we apologize for not being on uh, – the last couple of weeks uh, a lot of people don't know that like the last three out of four weeks we've kind of not had a show um and the reason being is because i'm dealing with some herniated discs and they are not in my lower back thank god uh, because uh, you know the pain i'm feeling that i have them in the the c8 t1 t2 and they every once in a while they tend to herniate for whatever reason sometimes if i sit too much and we all know that the covid season was not good for that yeah. Um, but anyway, they herniated, and it pretty much made me unable really to use my left arm effectively. Um, so, uh, but I'm glad to say tonight it's doing fairly well. I still there's still a couple of motions. Good. My range of motion isn't 100 percent yet, but it's about 85 percent, which is good for me. And uh, you know, luckily, uh, it was to the point where if I bang my arm the wrong way, it, it'd feel like somebody took a bat to my arm. So, uh, I, again, I apologize for not not being on there. It, it really uh, uh, it really stunk to have that. And hello, James. Welcome, sir. I'm hey, glad James. you could catch the show as well live this week. Yeah. So glad to have you. Yep, absolutely. And today we're going to be talking about yeah. <laughs> Hi, Sherry. Yeah, I, I, I sympathize <laughs> with you there, too. Um, yeah, well, I, I fell downstairs back at the uh, in, in 2019, broke a couple of ribs. So, yeah, uh, it's been a hell of a couple of years for me. And so, uh, yep, and it looks like uh, COVID's making a comeback, which we kind of all expected that it would make a comeback during flu season anyway. Uh, I don't really want to get into the politics of it. Just wear a mask, keep your distance, and please, 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 constantly use some hand sanitizer to keep your hands i tell people to wear a mask i know people get bitchy about that but wear a mask because you don't know what other people got right you know you know any you know if anything it's going to keep you from the flu but um and listen hopefully, guys hopefully don't, don't drink the hand sanitizer no don't drink the hand sanitizer uh-uh, nah, not not good not and good. thank thank you b uh oh thank you b so, um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, let's, you want to get to the video? The video is pretty freaking funny. Um, I, I need some relief. Let's watch this. I, I, I saw this video and, and uh, just so folks know, StreamYard's doing, you know, you know, for, for the last few months, we've had to mute our main terminal because of an echo issue. But, um, 
StreamYard is growing so big, the, the platform we're on, that they've had to start to accommodate um, artists and people that want to play and musicians. So they've really come a long way with getting their audio set. So all of a sudden, I don't have to mute that anymore. And that just is a one less thing I have to do, which gets the show off a little smoother. And hello to you, John. Good to see you. Welcome, John. <clears throat> But anyway, let's let's. I, this caught my eye a couple of days ago, so we we got to watch this. This is this is a good laugh, and I'm probably going to pause it to have a little commentary on. So here it is. It had to be said the Oregon State Highway Division not only had a whip. Okay, there we go. Something just went not right. There we go. Hello. It had to be said, the Oregon State Highway Division not only had a whale of a problem on its hands, it had a stinking whale of a problem. What to do with one 45-foot, 8-ton whale dead on arrival on the beach near Florence? It had been so long since a whale had washed up in Lane County, nobody could remember how to get rid of one. In selecting its battle plan, the Highway Division decided the carcass couldn't be buried because it might soon be uncovered. It couldn't be cut up and then buried because nobody wanted to cut it up, and it couldn't be burned. So dynamite it was, some 20 cases or a half ton of it. Now, do you see a problem right there growing, Chris? Only 20 cases of dynamite. Only 20 cases. <laughs> Somehow I don't think this is going to go very well. The hope was that the long-dead Pacific gray whale would be almost disintegrated by the blast, and that any small pieces still around after the explosion would be taken care of by seagulls scavengers. Indeed, the seagulls had been standing... Seagulls are scavengers. That's awesome. ...nearby all day. As everything was being... George Thornton, the highway engineer in charge of the project, for his final observation. Well, I'm confident that it'll work. The only thing is we're not sure exactly how much uh, explosives it'll take to disintegrate this things so the scavengers seagulls and crabs and whatnot can clean it up is there any chance it might be more than a one-day job uh if there's any large chunks left and uh, we may have to do some other cleanup possibly set another charge the dynamite was buried primarily on the leeward side of the big mammal so as most of the remains would be blown toward the sea about 75 bystanders most of them residents who had first found the whale to be an object of curiosity before they tied Here's a question. Is that Mike Rugg? <laughs> Remember Mike Rugg? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody knows. There is a resemblance. There, yeah. there is. He's got the same cap. <laughs> of its smell, we're moved back a quarter of a mile away. The sand dunes there were covered with spectators and land lubber newsmen shortly to become land blubber newsmen for the blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. You get a wild? This is a good five, four, three, two, one. Uh-oh. Oh, camera stopped rolling immediately after the blast the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a well as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere 
Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. The dunes were rapidly evacuated, especially both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell. A parked car over a quarter of a mile from the blast site was the target of one Whoops. large chunk. The passenger compartment literally Fortunately, no human was hit as badly as uh, the Look, car. it's whale blood. However, everyone on the scene was covered with small particles of dead whale. As for the success of the effort... Now, I, I got to stop it right here because all this broken glass, this caved-in car, whale blubber everywhere, and there's a little yeah. kid yeah. right up in the car. Hey, what's going on here? Here, Johnny, play with the broken glass. Yeah, yeah, Johnny, here, don't, don't chew on it, though. We're worried about lead paint, but screw the, get, the, the broken glass everywhere. The caved-in car and whale blubber. Who were supposed to clean things up were nowhere in sight, either scared away by the explosion or kept away by the smell. That didn't really matter. The remaining chunks were of such a size that no respectable seagull would attempt to tackle anyway. As George, you're fired. Began to set in. The highway crews were back on the beach. Uh, yeah, that was the town supervisor going, George, uh, you can pick up your last paycheck uh, this week on Friday. You're done. And uh, I think Chris just had a stroke. The remains, including a large piece of the carcass, which never left the blast site. It might be concluded that should a whale ever wash ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, they'll certainly remember what not to do. Ain't that the truth? Uh, so, I can anyway. smell that from here. <laughs> can you imagine the steak? Oh my God! Oh, yeah, that wasn't well, that that wasn't good. <laughs> uh, also, imagine the guy that had the, the crushed looked like a '98 Oldsmobile there. Having to explain, a, yeah, I'm trying to explain to his insurance company that he hit a whale. Yeah, sorry, listen. Big bunch of whale blubber came down on the car. <laughs> oh, good lord! Oh, I'm dying. You know, now I understand why they have the farmers commercials. Uh, thanks, Steve. I needed that. Sorry, Whew, man. Especially, George, you can pick up your paycheck on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. He's got 40, 40 cases of dynamite. I mean, when you think about it, you know, that that's probably should have been enough to completely evaporate it. But uh, I guess they, uh, depending on how it was placed, you know. But, well, uh, I don't know. I, I, You know, 40 cases of dynamite. I, how many cases, how many sticks to a case? I don't know. I, I mm. Look but, like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but but you would need to take like a uh, probably like a thousand cases of dynamite to actually make yeah. it vaporize because you need that heat. I mean, like a ton of dynamite. Not right. Sure. Well, you know, here's what I was thinking when they first started trying to figure out how to get rid of this. Okay, it's mostly whale blubber, right? So what did people used to do with whale blubber? Well, they would like melt it down and burn it. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> They could have set that dude on fire and maybe, you know, he might have lasted for a couple of weeks there, but he would have eventually gone away. Hello, Sarah. Good to see you. Hey, Sarah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> hey, Charlie. Charlie. Oh, wow. Our audience shares everything with everybody. Um, but, uh, wow. Whale blubber. So anyway, uh, uh, Chris, th this week let, let me let me explain too. Another another thing that that 
uh, every once in a while, too, I, I get so frustrated with what's been going on with Bigfoot research lately. You know, I, I'm seeing, you know, number one, we're getting deluged with crappy pictures all the time. We're getting deluged with these crazy ideas and people finding stick structures as evidence and stuff like that. You know, mm. whatever happened to footprints as, as, you know, part of the evidence trail? Seems like mm. we've forgotten that. Yep. You know, because that's, that, that you know, if a footprint is legitimate, people may say, oh, well, it's not really evidence. We, you know, we've had lots of, yeah, we've had lots uh, of them, but at least you know you're looking at a Sasquatch if you're looking at a footprint. Right. Right. So, you know, it, it got really frustrating to me because I don't see any good evidence anymore. So, um, and I know I'm preaching to the choir <clears throat> because we have, you know, like I said, we've always said we've, we've got some of the smartest listeners out there that want to continuously come back here. And there's a reason why they continue to come back here because they get, you know, we, at least we hope they get some good entertainment and some, some good information to boot every once in a while. We try to embolden a nugget of wisdom, uh, <laughs> Mick goes, if you're about to tell us that someone gave Sasquatch the dynamite, roll the tape. <laughs> no, we rolled oh, that tape uh, last, uh, the last show with the uh, Sasquatch blowing the fire out with the, yeah. uh, oh, anyway, uh, yeah. so, so getting back, there was a lot of articles written, um, 20, 25 years ago by a lot of people that were, you know, scientists by people yeah. who were who, uh, you know, really spent a lot of time in the field and doing a lot of quiet research, research we don't hear about. And we, we've had, <clears throat> you know, some people pass, like uh, some of the works I'm going to uh, is Tim Cullen. And Tim Cullen, I think, passed somewhere between 2000 and 2004, somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, he was one of my heroes in this field. Um, one of these guys who've been doing it for a while. Alton Higgins was, uh, he's a... Uh, I want to say he's an anthropologist, another another hero in in, in my field. Uh, although he may not have a, I, he's a, I believe he's a doctor, has a doctorate, and uh, you know those were my heroes, man. And and, and Doctor Henner Farenbach, who retired from this thing some twelve years ago. So a lot of the folks that have come in from, you know, two thousand ten onward, don't have the benefit of remembering these people and some of the articles they wrote to guide, you know. And people wonder why the old timers are so cranky, you know, and why you're so cranky about all these stick structures and stuff, because that's stuff we never talked about because you can't track it. Okay. Stick structures. Are they Bigfoot? Who knows? Tree rakes. Who knows? You know, we're only, we're, we're, we're jumping, we're jumping and we're in such great, um, demand to get evidence that we often forget that uh, uh, before um, all of this nonsense with social media, it would take time and hard work to get evidence. And what we've seen with social media, we've seen people shortcut that. Well, look at this. It's creepy. Oh, something took my, my apple from the log. Oh, look, something left a rock over here. You know, stuff like that. Um and Sarah, yes, absolutely, you'll, you'll get there. Just give it time. Um, and uh, so some of the, some of the stuff that, that, that came out w was very interesting. And, uh, I, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, there's another, there's a UK researcher by the name of Tim London who was really well and great. Uh, but I, the one I really want to pull out 
to start off with is the uh, Tim Cullen um, um, uh, piece, I believe, if I can find it. Because <laughs> I have in front of me about, well, this is Tim London's piece. Uh, and I, uh, I think I can remember reading some of Tim Cullen's work. Yeah. Um, hang on, I'm going to find, I want to find Tim's work first. Because I think it's really important. And I'm sorry, I, everything got messed up here. Uh, so I'm trying to, to backtrack. Well, um, you know, what you were saying, I want to put something in here, what you were saying uh, earlier about the tree structures, limb structures, whatever. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with thinking that they could be related. But I think it would probably be, uh, you, you, you could go a little further to infer that they're related if like you had a sighting of a creature and he was like in one when you saw it. So then you could go back and say, Hey, you know, this, this is kind of the structure here may have been created by that creature. But if you're just walking along through the woods and you see some sticks that have fallen in a certain way, it's not very likely Bigfoot did that, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's possible, <laughs> but it's not likely. Right, and and Tim wrote this really great piece years ago. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this piece came out in 2005, and uh, part of it was also written by Rick Knoll, who's since retired from, from Bigfooting yeah. as well, and he was a, a big photography guy. And, um, you know, uh, some of the stuff he Tim writes, uh, let me let me give you some of the because this stuff is stuff that uh, is just in, indispensable. So people know uh, people know where I come from when I go out in the field and people have always said, well, you know, where, where do I get my notions from? Well, here's some of my my, my heroes here uh, talking and here's the introducing to, you know, Sasquatch and Bigfoot sign. And he says, many times while traversing wilderness in areas that are home to wildlife, one will come upon tracks of various animals. This can be fas a fascinating observation, and sometimes after finding a track, more will be found and followed. A story sometimes unfolds concerning what the animal making tracks was doing at the time. Some travel the wilderness and, and see very little, if any, wildlife, and finding and observing these tracks can make the experience just as rewarding as seeing the animal itself. Okay, Dave, good to know. Um, so, and hello, John, good to see you. Hey, Jonathan. Um, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> uh, casting an animal track allows it to be documented, bringing the experience to others and showing them what you saw. Photographs of tracks will sometimes show it well, depending on the film, resolution, light, and the soil conditions, but doesn't really give it the life you saw, even in the best of circumstances. Depending on the angle photographed, a common stone removed from the ground can be made to appear as an animal track. Remember that. Photographs are good in documenting a track, but should be considered only half the process. So... Um, you know, the the article goes in on how to make an animal's uh, a track, and uh, so some of the he talks about sign. For those who living near states or provinces that who have saltwater shorelines, information can be gathered from local government concerning the types and locations of low tide shellfish. Um, 
So he's talking about... Uh, so here it is. Um, some of the areas you want to go to. Um, obviously, uh, all animals need water. Um, succulent type of vegetation grows nearest water sources. If this were a means for the animal to gain water intake rather than drinking it directly, it would be a good source to look, a good place to look for tracks. Most ground found near rivers and streams. Uh, this is where tracking and casting conditions exist. You can also use water from the stream or water or, or river from old mixing plaster and subsequent cleanup. Good point. You know, you can you can drag in you know a, a, a half gallon of water, which is you know almost you know three and a half pounds. You know, three and three quarters pounds, whatever. You know, a gallon of water, I think, at least seven and a half pounds. Yeah. Uh, you can lighten your load if you're if you're going near uh, water sources because you know you can use that water source for to mix your plaster. Um, large grain sand isn't good for tracks, but in the same general area, smaller grain sand or even mud silt can be usually found. The, this fine soil can also be found in swampy or boggy areas. So, you know, large grain sand, bad for casting. Small grain sand, silt, good for casting. Uh, another thing, too, is teeth are sometimes washed down and in the same places where heavy metals, such as gold, would be located. They are called placer deposits. These areas have been mapped in, in gold territories and can be looked up in libraries. So, uh, brush and other plants can grow close to the water's edge, thereby hiding tracks in the soil under their low canopy. Evidence can thus be missed, having the area appear to be devoid of an animal's occupation. So, to get in there, um, you want to, you, you know, you need to, as they say, you need to beat that brush. You need to beat the brush to get there. Um, uh and again, sound of water movement not only hides animal movement, but your own sounds as well. So, uh, and yeah, you can you can lidar scan uh, a track, but nothing holds that fine uh, uh, evidence as the cast itself. And I know that no no picture will tell the same tale as a cast, mm. because I, I don't think you get the appreciation of the size of the creature. Yeah. Uh, with a cast uh, versus a film. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is depth. Uh, and I know, you know, you'll get a nice picture, but but when you actually hold the cast and see that the, the foot is this thick or it was that deep into the, into the uh, substrate, that will, again, uh, give you some idea of the size of the creature you're trying to look for. Yeah. Um, Dusty climates can sometimes yield track results, but the best would be right after it rains. Snow can be uh, can show long trackways, but usually leaves little track in detail. Absolutely, one of the the my, my biggest pet peeves is, and you've seen it, is snow melt. Uh, a lot of times during the winter, every winter I get I get you know uh, at least somebody sends me one picture of a snowshoe hare. And uh, what happens is, is that sun hits it. Even though it may be freezing cold outside, that sun still melts that snow, causing it to spread out, causing it to have some some uh, growth. So, um, so you need to, you know, be very, you know, aware of, you know, how fresh is this track, because snow melt will definitely um, um, 
uh, hurt it. Um, I'm trying to get some some of the best points. Um, reasons for searching near rivers and streams and establishing study areas. And that's, uh, see, that's Tim. Uh, you want to establish study areas, areas right. that, that you want to study. Um, yep. So uh, all animals need water. Um, I think we just read through that. Yeah. Yes, we did. Um, okay, here we go. Um, traveling up the flow of, of uh, traveling with the upflow of a river or stream usually means you would be traveling upwind and may have your scent effectively screened from any animals further up. So if you're going to travel trying to screen any kind of scent from other ant critters, travel upstream. Uh, start downstream, travel up. Uh, establishing one or two study sites containing a river or stream would allow you to map it effectively, noting good tracking and soil conditions for periodic return visits. Foraging signs can be looked for and noted on return visits. The lay of the land can be thoroughly understood because you'll have those, you'll, you will have those landmarks. Right. Um, one visit to a site doesn't mean anything. Animals move in and out of areas constantly. You don't want to yeah. want your return visits to be predictable. Animals have the ability to produce mental maps that put us humans to shame. So if they see you coming every weekend, that's when they will avoid the area. Trying to take on too big, uh, too big an area for study is as bad as gambling with your life savings in a casino. It may be fun, but chances are you will lose in the end. Optimum, optimum study site conditions. Historical events, not necessarily recent. Uh, and that's very true. I mean, uh, you know, 2013 got, a, got the flare footage. And that was on itself in an area that's been having sightings on and off since the 50s. Yeah. Nothing necessarily documented recently, but the 50s, the 80s, and it was, I think there was one in the 90s. But continually hitting these there. Um the uh so uh other other optimum uh study site conditions water source present close proximity to controlled area excluding human activity such as watersheds hmm. um new intrusion into habitat zone in other words recent or uh, recurrent logging and housing and road development so in other words if something is building a housing development or they're putting up a house or or logging somewhere that's a good area, too, because that may stir them up to get them to move. Right. Uh, food source availability, understood, and seasonal occurrence identified. And also flora and fauna, the plant life, the plant matter. So you need to know that area, you know, when, when the blackberries are, are budding or when the, 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 the berries are budding or the apples or, you know, when the, the deer population moves in back into that area. Um, uh, shelter at availability, large trees, heavy brush, caves, large boulders, etc. Um, again, you, you know, these are great ideas like, okay, this should be, you know, some ideas as you're going through an area. Well, that could yep. be used as that, that could be used as that. Look at the, the food source. Uh, so, uh, that's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very smart research there. It really yeah, is. Exactly. Um, some of the, some of the advice he uses is try to use, uh, green earth tone clothing, 
Um, he mentions that great apes have a better much ability than humans to pick out patterns, colors that do not belong in their habitat. Yeah. So again, people ask why the camo? Well, because, uh, you know, we would uh, pick out somebody wearing a bright red shirt. Right. Uh, or, but if you keep it to an earth tone or earth tones, you know, you're less likely to, you know, go, oh, what's that? Uh, do not wear shiny metal objects or equipment such as watches, pins, because they catch the light. Sew them in a pack or paint or tape with a darker color. Makes sense. Do not use scented deodorants or aftershaves. Primate olfactory ability is vastly more acute than humans. Mm. Move silently. And uh, because the apes, uh, in this case, he was a very firm believer that, you know, Sasquatch is a primate, mm, supporting more of the pongid idea. But even the human idea, the hominin idea, you know, uh, this is true to all primates. So primates do have unbelievable hearing. That's one of our strong uh, yeah. sources of, of, of senses. Um, always observe from submissive posturing and body language. Include squatting, sitting, kneeling, and laying down. You don't want to square off against uh, a Sasquatch. You want to be be submissive. Squat down. Um, uh, like I said, sitting, kneeling. Avoid gesture, aggressive postures and body languages. These include standing, pointing with arms or hands, waving arms, walking towards or running in any direction. And isn't that the truth? Uh, how yeah. many times that you know you start walking towards it? That's when they, they, they turn up. Avoid direct eye contact. Yeah. This gesture makes all primates, including people, very uncomfortable. Perfect. Yep. Great apes see, see direct eye contact as a challenge and will and f usually flee immediately. Even if you cannot see their eyes, avoid looking. Merely glance toward, toward the movement or a sound. To a great ape or even a Sasquatch, you appear to be staring at him as the as the primate would be looking at you if the situation were situation were reversed. Right. Obviously, if I see something staring at me coming towards me, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I'm going to take a, a very aggressive posture. That's right. Um, my, my favorite technique, just act like you don't even see them. Look right. around. Always observe <laughs> indirectly. Tilt your head slightly down right. to a submissive tone, non-threatening pose, and watch with eyes askance. In case yep. people don't know what askance is, it means. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They probably so, think I'm the blindest human to ever exist. Yes. Um, when observing a Sasquatch or a primate, keep some vegetation between you and the animal. Cover provides a great deal of psychological comfort for both you and the primate. If you observe a, a, a primate uh, or a Sasquatch and it is aware of you and is looking at you, never look at the animal through binoculars. Binoculars may appear as large eyes and cause the unhabituated primate to flee. If you believe a Sasquatch is near you, but you cannot see it, be assured that the animal can see you and is aware of your location. Your best bet is to make an observation is to become as non-threatening as possible in posture and behavior. So there, there there's a great piece of advice. People wonder yeah. why the sit, you know, why sitting right. in camp is so important instead of beating the, beating the brush. 
Right. I beat the brush in the daytime. At nighttime, I sit, observe, be less of a threat. Yeah. Um, some of the things we've gotten, even myself, have gotten away from over over the years. Um, so these are all great points. Um, it's extremely difficult to approach a non-feeding primate without it becoming aware of you first. Yeah. You are always better off anticipating the animal's movement by keeping still and silent and waiting for the animal to come within your visual range. So if you hear if you hear something you believe is a Sasquatch, you're better off just to stay put silent, get in your non-submissive pose and wait. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Um genius. I I love this guy. Yep. Um it's basically impossible to track and overtake a fleeing Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, for example, a chimpanzee and gorilla can flee eight to ten times faster than any person through heavy vegetation. It's pretty interesting to know. Yeah. Um, so those are just some 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 really great great pointers. Um, uh, well, you know, let's talk about something, Steve. I mean. Yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you want to approach one? Like, if you saw a group or one individual standing there, why wouldn't you want to take off running towards him? Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you'll force a reaction, right? Yeah. You're going to force that individual to do something. Yep. Now, and, and my, Nick also said uh, Fishbone. Yep, that was him. Was an honest yeah. researcher. He definitely told like it was. And he had such a. I mean, he was one of my heroes. Really mm. was. I really followed what he was doing, and some of this stuff made so much sense. And I, I yes. managed actually talked to him via email many a day. So that was back in the early days, before social media. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, you know, like I said, when I had my encounter, um, I had the light on it, and it froze, and I froze. And I think the only, like I said, the only reason why it moved is I moved the light. Okay, it's moving. Yeah. So I think yeah. I was actually kind of blinding it, and it couldn't really make out me because it's right. looking at the light, the bright light. Right. Um, but then if that bright light moved, it took off. Right. And, and that is so, so important. Um, just to, if you see it, just freeze. Freeze. Don't move. Yeah. Um, people say, yeah. get a camera, get a camera. Well, you start fiddling with gear and stuff <laughs> like that and pull out something and pull it up. It's going to go. It's going to see yeah. it later. Don't. You got to have that camera on the ready. That's why, uh, you know, uh, sport cameras or GoPros and stuff like that are so quintessential now to have. That is that is one of the the uh, better um, um, inventions that have come out of wow. technologies, or I should say, that have come out uh, since we've all done this. If we all had an action camera going, as much as we all like to walk with it. I mean, back in the day, we used to walk with video cameras. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Now you we know, can just go, and we're good to mine, go. My first camera was a little jazzy camera, about the size of a pack of cigarettes. And I think it was like 480p or something like that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, this is just, oh, man. I'm like high-tech, dude. <laughs> and we're talking like 2008. So, so I thought, oh, yeah, I'm high tech, man. But as it turned out, uh, no, not so much. So uh, uh, Joe Critelli writes, the cast with Dermo Ridges length and breadth with can't be denied. Um, <coughs> I know there was Matt Crowley had said that some of the 
<coughs> pardon me, dermal ridges on the sides were due to, I, I don't know, the heat process of the casts. And there was some some experimentation with that um, that that actually uh, uh, proved that some of the dermal ridges could be caused by some of this heating effect yeah. that happens when you mix the plaster with water. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, as the, as the plaster cures, that chemical reaction releases a heat. Yes. So it's it's almost impossible to cast snow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could you could possibly do it, you know, but yeah. uh, I've seen the plaster is going to take so long to dry, though. You're probably not well, going to. I believe the Bosberg Cripplefoot tracks were snow in snow. I, yeah, they were. Was... They were. That, me and you talked about that in depth one time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and Mike Mike. Uh, Mick says that he could better. I could bet I could overtake a Sasquatch, but only if my ex was trying to get me to eat her meatloaf. <laughs> yep, I think we'd all be running right with you. Oh, Mick. Um, so, um, the other interesting thing is, uh, Mike said, "Yeah, when batteries work." Yeah, that's uh, true. Oh, the GoPro battery's dead. Um, there is no worse feeling in the world to be looking at a at a Sasquatch through the lens of your camera and thinking to yourself. I've got it. Oh, this is going to be so good. And all and of a sudden, then, you bleep, bleep, bleep. There goes the battery button. Yeah. Oh, sorry, last file not saved. <laughs> that would be horrible. And I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened. So, you know, a, a couple of things. And we'll, we'll talk in a little bit, too, about other things. Um, you know, people wonder what, what's going on. Well, <clears throat> I had this great plan of... Um, going out this October and, and, and hitting it really hard. Um, unfortunately, because of the back, I couldn't do it. So my, uh, um, oh, there's some, there's a good question. And hello as darkness looms. So does cryptogeology. Welcome to the show. Glad to see you here. Yeah, great, welcome. great question. Interesting topic. Serving tonight on Facebook groups. Can yeah. Bigfoot catch COVID? Interesting. I don't know. Hard to say. Don't know. Um, hard to say if they can catch the flu. I mean, we really don't know. Uh, you know, if it has jumped species from bat to human, I don't think there's any reason why it couldn't jump species from bat to Bigfoot. Yeah. I wouldn't think. But, you yeah. know. Uh, I mean. Any answer to that question would be purely opinionated. Yes. Uh, right. I mean, I, I not being a, a, a doctor, I'm an investigator by, by profession. Yeah. So uh, not being a, a PhD, I, I don't know. Um, that, well, that's, a, that's a great question, though. Um, but we know, do know hey, the, folks, the corona. Folks, you know, folks on Facebook and YouTube, you want to pop in comments. Can Bigfoot yeah. catch COVID? There's the question. Yeah. While you guys answer that question, I'm going to go behind me and get a piece of equipment. <laughs> go ahead, man. I just want to. I just want to mention that since the coronavirus, uh, COVID nineteen, is a coronavirus. That's like one of the easiest ones to pop over. You know, to cross over. So depending on the shape. So I think that's really a a great a great question. What's that your is opinion? a good question. And, yeah. and, and and listen, do I think they can? In my opinion, probably. I mean, we ended up giving the Native Americans smallpox, but they were the same 
Same species. <laughs> Same species. So yeah. really, that's not comparing. That's comparing apples to oranges. But, so I yeah. don't know. But but I would think probably, uh, probably. I think some of the things that they may be immune to is maybe, you know, some botulins and you know some food poisonings because of their right. diet. There, they've probably adapted uh, evolutionary style to be able to eat things raw, because yeah. we've never seen them really use fire. Uh, or cook meat or anything like that. So one would think that, you know, or if they're like the, you know, the mountain gorillas, and I, I don't think they're like the mountain gorillas, although gorillas are very large, and they're vegetarians. So I, you know, it's really hard to to uh, say. Um, That's something I've always thought that when we do eventually get a type specimen, they're going to find out that I believe the Bigfoot gut is going to be much longer than a typical human. Because yeah. they're they're able to digest so much more roughage than what yep. we are. Uh, yep. you know, speculation. Yep. Uh, let's get to some more. Uh, what's your take on three three toed tracks like reported down south? Well, not all mm. the tracks down south are three three toed. Pardon my vernacular. Um, but I I I have doubts on the three toed track because. Uh, number one, uh, there isn't a single primate that has three toes. And number two, anatomically, it doesn't make sense to support a heavy creature walking upright with three toes. It does not support that. Well, yeah, but, you know, we could be, talk, be talking about a genetic deficiency, too. And that is possible. That's seen in humans, too. The bird people of, uh, where are they at? Uh, but, why do we, but why do we only see that down south? See to yeah, me, true. to me, to me, it, it could be some misidentification of something. I've been in the Honey Island uh, swamps, mm. and I've seen those three-toed tracks of the honey, so-called Honey Island swamp monster. And uh, I'm not impressed at all that those three-toed, three-toed, three-toed tracks are uh, necessarily. That of a Sasquatch. There's a lot of cranes that walk around there. We've seen yeah. uh, a blue heron actually go on a sand barge, and it left marvelously large three-toed tracks. They could also be dew claws of gators as well. Yes. So that's that, you know that some would be of, a very good guess right, right there. <laughs> yeah. So that that that's um you know that's why I, I don't think that they're, they're uh, legitimate. Now uh, I'll tell you a story about Honey Island Swamp, the Honey Island Swamp Monster. While we're on that topic. I was down there in 2008, 2007, somewhere in there. And um, and uh, what uh, <clears throat> what I was told was that the sightings of the Sasquatch were actually north of the Honey Island Swamp. Uh, but you see, they wanted to get pe- keep people out of that area because there was a lot of things going on in those areas like alcohol stills and... and um, you know, uh, this green stuff with the leaves right. that were growing up there. So they wanted to keep people out of that. So somebody created the Hunting Island Swamp Monster to bring all, right. all those Bigfoot hunters down into the lower part of the swamp where, you know, those operations <coughs> are, are, it's not good for those type of operations because of the, the, the terrain. Yeah. Um, and I've been through the Hunting Island Swamps and it is, wow, what a rough place. You want to talk about, it's backwards, period. Yeah, uh, no, no if and buts about it. I went there post Katrina. At that point, I think Katrina had been gone like four years. And I remember going through the swamps and looking up in a tree and maybe a story up in a tree. There's a boat that got placed there because of the ride. That's how high the water was. Right. Um, 
Let me let me take a moment to correct myself, Steve, because I said the bird people, and I actually just did a quick search, and it's the ostrich people of Zimbabwe. Yeah, interesting. Uh, rather than the the bird people, it was my bad. The ostrich people of Zimbabwe. They, uh, it's a, a a small group of individuals that have uh, two toes. And uh, their their feet just kind of looks like an ostrich, you know, and so uh, that that is a genetic deficiency because of their small gene pool they have there. So the same thing could have happened, you know. It's possible, but is it likely? Mm, probably mm-hmm. not. So here's another uh, interesting uh, uh, catch here. <laughs> Cameron says the difference between 1967 and 2020 is I ran out of film versus I ran out of battery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true. That's like, good. Oh, That's good. Um, you know, Mick says it would be beneficial to have a type specimen while it study. Absolutely. Mm. Um, let me go back down to the new comments. And uh, Bruce Kelly has a good one, too. And his comment actually covers everybody, <laughs> or most of everybody. Science has already shown that great apes are susceptible to human respiratory infections, such as human rhinovirus C, one virus that can cause the common cold. Because many apes in this group, which include chimpanzees, bonobos, orangutans, and gorillas, already are already endangered, experts are concerned that COVID-19 could devastate populations. Now, that's wow. a very good point. Yeah, it is. So uh, as darkness looms, uh, I hope that kind of, uh, yeah, if they're able to catch COVID, uh, the the other uh, types of primates in the the common cold, yeah, my my guess is is that a Sasquatch can, you know, catch COVID. So if you run into a Sasquatch, please put your mask on. (laughs) Wear the mask. Wear the mask. uh, up in New Hampshire, it's hard to find tracks. Yes, we have the same terrain in the Adirondacks, much of our tree structures in the late regions of New Hampshire. Mm. Yep. Um, oh um, so that, that, uh, so people wonder, I, I do have an action. I, I do now have like a GoPro knockoff that I'm using that I will be wearing when I go into the field. The other new toy that I've been playing with, ugh, and this is for more distance watching, is this bad boy right here. And that oh, is yeah. a really uh, decent pair of NVG binoculars. And uh, I, I've, I've played with them for a little bit and tested them out a little bit. I'm still testing it. It takes video. It's got a built-in car. Yeah. It takes pictures. So when I'm it, looking, the video will be on. It looks so, promising. Yeah, it, it, I've, it looks, I've seen images. It looks promising. Mm-hmm. Considering that, you know, I probably can, it supposedly has a range of 160 yards. Um, I don't have a 160-yard stretch around the house right now because I do have vegetation. But I can tell you very interestingly, through the binoculars, I can clearly see the neighbor's cars. And the neighbor lives about 100 yards, yeah, 75 yards, you know, to my uh, yeah. east. So definitely uh, it has potential to do that the other the other uh toy i'm gonna i will be getting a uh, a new type of thermal imager um but like i say that that i, I like the night vision it's a digital night vision so you don't get the green um right. you know it's just uh uh yes the uh john yes the binoculars do have an image stabilizer in fact it even what i plan on doing and the cool thing about this sucker it's not light by the way it's pretty pretty heavy it's a good good piece of machinery has three different levels of illumination um 
and this one is a uh, uh, Creative XP. Um, the uh, it's waterproof. It's water resistant. It's uh, right here is where all the uh, connections are. I can download it either through USB or I can pull the card on it or I can actually hook it up. What I like about it, it does have a jack for an AV. So if I have a mini USB to uh, an HDMI, I can actually plug it into a bigger screen. Oh, yeah. The other cool thing, too, is it has a tripod mount there. So I can actually tripod mount that sucker and just keep it going. And uh, it comes with a, I got it for, I got it on Prime Day, so I got it for a discount. Um, and it came with a 32 gigabyte mini SD card, which gives it about five and a half hours of record time. Hmm. So it takes eight AA batteries. Of course, I use the rechargeables in it. Um, so we'll see. We're going to field test the hell out of that this year, this upcoming year. <laughs> And at the rate the weather's been going, uh, if my back can straighten out, I may have a little bit of a, a little bit of a November to play with yet. So, uh, you know, definitely, um, definitely some uh, yes, Amazon uh, was purchased on Amazon. Uh, I who did I get that from? Yeah, Creative XP, and uh, I'll pull the book out just so folks, if they're interested in looking at that sucker, it's a Creative XP. Well, uh, maybe you, the glass owl full night vision binoculars. Could you put like a link, a link in the comment section or something? Or uh, not, not right now. <laughs> no, no. After the show, you know. So yeah, you might yeah. Like we, we, we can see get, what you got. Yeah. Um. Uh, the other thing I got was a uh, uh, the GoPro. I got a knockoff. I didn't get the GoPro. Three hundred dollars for the GoPro. Uh, like $65 for the knockoff camera. And still yeah. Can. I've tested that and it works just fine for video. Audio yeah. isn't that great. I can live without the audio. It's the video that I really want to catch. Um, but the the video is pretty damn good. And I usually keep it at 1080 instead of the 4K. Because the 4K tends to get a little persnickety, uh, you know, uh, the file size and everything. So, um, you know, uh, very... Uh, you know, I brought some GoPro, a GoPro knockoff. They're, well, actually, they were advertised as GoPros, uh, but they were knockoffs, as it turned out, from uh, Wish. I think it was a couple of years ago. And when I got those things here and I, like, turned them on and, like, took some video, it was terrible, man. I mean, it yeah. just like it was like my little jazzy uh, camcorder, that uh, pocket camcorder. It was horrible. But uh, yeah. Yeah, From I mean, a couple of years ago to now may have changed quite a bit. Yeah, well, mine didn't come from Wish. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But that's the first plus. Yep. Uh, you know people like thermal. Um thermal's good for, you know, making things stand out. So I think thermal has a great um a, a great use as a tool. Yeah. yeah. Um I, I think with a night vision, you can collect better evidence with night vision. You can with a thermal. Uh, so one shall see. Um, another great article, another big uh, hero of mine was Henner Ferenbeck. Mm -hmm. um, and Henner, we've talked about Henner before. And uh, some of the, uh, the, the, the interesting things that Henner has said about a Sasquatch 
And these are all things. And the reason why these this is such important stuff is to keep in mind when you go out what you are looking for. Yeah. You know, um, why setting up a few apples and stuff on a log and it's gone the next day. <gasps> it, you know, a Bigfoot grabbed it. Ah, thank you. Uh, thank you, David. I, I got to say, David, too, my audio does not work on this. So I, I, I do not think there's audio on that unless um, I'm missing something somewhere. Unless mine's defective. I'm not sure. Um, I don't necessarily need audio for that. I don't see any microphone necessarily on the unit. Um, as far as I can see. Um I haven't gotten any audio off the uh, videos that I have. Um, so I don't know. I'm um, not quite sure what's going on there with that. But And even in the documentation, I didn't see anything for audio settings. Um, so I, I don't know if it... But, uh, David, you, you hit the, uh, the, the product. Uh, it's field division as far as the width is not the greatest. That much I've noticed. But that sucker can penetrate. And like I said, at a distance, it's great. Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Really? Always <laughs> words of wisdom. Read the manual. <laughs> uh, David, I love you, man. <laughs> All right, you got me there. I didn't read the... F well, I read the manual the pro to get the time and stuff in there, but... Um, I like a quick start kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, I like those quick start things. Um, you get this whole big thick manual, like fifty pages or one hundred and fifty pages, and then you got one little sheet of paper that says "push on button, start I, filming." You know, I'm gonna, Chris, I'm gonna do a Jeff Foxworthy thing right now. Hmm. I believe that if you have fifty thousand boxes out in front of your house that say night vision or thermal on it, you're a Bigfoot researcher. Oh. Steve, I could understand you perfectly when you talk like that. That's really, you sound much better. You should talk like that all the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> no, no, Emmanuel Lange. Actually, the cut. Yeah, yeah. Good question. But one of the reasons why I bought this oh, was because yeah. they're actually a New York based company. Mm. So that's why I bought it. They're a New York based family company. Good. Good. So um There we go, Pat, with thermal from the air, a thousand percent more efficient. Well, when we have a thermal from the air, then I will say that may be true. But so far we have Exactly that, nothing. Yeah. So, um, and again, thermal, you know, is not going to prove anything to anybody. Not to the scientists, we know that. It's cool to have, but to, to me, the, the, the thermals are good tactical equipment or equipment to rule out things, um, you know. So let's talk about some of the things of our Sasquatch that Henry Fahrenbach did a huge statistical study. Um, uh, and he said the way the animal can be used to predict its basal, basal metallic, 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 metall
Metabolic rate, meaning its minimal daily caloric requirement by a mathematical relationship, Kyber's law, that is an extremely tight one. Application of this rule suggests 5,000 calories for the average Sasquatch as defined by the statistics. With exercise and inclement weather, this value can double or triple. Hence, a diet that is minimally omnivorous if not slanted toward carnivory, is required to fulfill that demand. Yeah. So that was a very interesting piece of thing. So 5,000 calories, and that's based on that. And and he has the, the statistical information from using a lot of John Green uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. And something something about calorie intake that a lot of people maybe not may not realize is – what the way we live now it's like you know i could eat a candy bar and there's like you know 600 calories whatever and it's really easy but if you're out in the wilderness and you're like scavenging for food it's very difficult to come up with 5000 calories worth of meal you know that's why i wouldn't like if you've ever watched these shows like alone uh where they drop these people off in the middle of nowhere yep. and they're, they got to survive and they, you know, they might start out kind of chubby, but they all end up kind of bony. Yeah. <laughs> even even the ones that are like catching fish regularly, yep, are, are exactly. getting skinny and losing weight because they're not getting all those extra calories from fat and stuff that we normally get every day. And just by we don't even think about it. I mean, man, you know, you go to the refrigerator and you know, I don't know, grab the, and, and, the and, ice and, cream or whatever. Let, let me let me make uh, let me. This is no offense to Pat. I hope, Pat, you don't you don't take offense to this, but for the last fifteen years, we've heard about thermal footage from a drone or from a blimp, and nothing has come of it. Just disappointment. So yeah. you know, I'm sorry. There was something years ago called the Falcon Project, and I remember we talked about the Falcon Project yes. in 2007, and then we had a revisit to it in 2010 or 2011. Yeah. And then, boom! It went, it went, belly up. Yeah. Um. And uh, actually, I thought it had merit. I thought it was really, like, you know, a good idea. But evidently, the costs uh, outweighed the. <laughs> <laughs> Five thousand uh, calories. What about a deer? I don't know how many calories. Yeah, deer liver would definitely be very rich. That um, would be a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's why. That's why Dr. Farrenbach said there that, you know, uh, if not slanted toward carnivory, which means it's slanted toward a Sasquatch right. actually being, you know, omnivorous or carnivorous. I believe yeah. they're omnivorous. I'm sure they eat uh, most animals. I, I mean, even a dog will eat, you know, leafy stuff when their stomachs get upset. You know, if they eat too much meat, they eat plant matter. That's why sometimes right. dogs eat grass because their stomach is bothering them. They need that roughage to help clean out their or digestive tracts. But even a, uh, a, a an animal that was mostly uh, vegetarian would would switch to the meat. So, uh, as Darkness Looms asks, what about a deer? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> the next paragraph, I will pro I will provide here some comparison data of prey food values. Internal organs would yield twelve thousand to thirty five thousand calories for white-tailed deer. 20,000 to 50,000 calories for mule deer, and 60,000 to 90,000 for elk. These values would dramatically rise about 3,500 3, calories per pound, 
with the inclusion of stores around the body cavity. Reports exist for all of these species being preyed upon by Sasquatch. The initial selectivity for soft internal organs may have its root partly in their nutri nutritive value and partly in their friable nature, hmm. uh, which is more easily dealt with by the flat molars of a primate. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why do they take the organs? They take the organs because they're softer. They're more malleable for teeth, not canine teeth. Yeah. Not 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 teeth like a cat or a, or a canine or a bear, or even a hog, but teeth like a primate, flat molars. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and like I said, that's science. That is science. Possible retention of the carcass would ripen the meat, soften its texture, and allow for hypothet hypothetical winter storage and contribute the often noted rotten meat aroma of a Sasquatch at close range. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Formulate, formula for the average daily food intake by omnivore suggests a needed weight of about 35 pounds of a mixed diet for an average Sasquatch. So, very, very interesting story. Uh, finally, uh, brain size. Scaling body weight to brain size in primates has been pursued by numerous authors. Application of this formula leads to a predicted brain volume of about 770 cc's compared to that of the mountain gorilla of 530 cc's mm -hmm. with a range from 420 to 685 cc's. Large, large brain. In the absence of any reports of cultural traits or fire use, very minimal and primitive tool use, and inferred low sociability of the Sasquatch, we are reduced to conjectures regarding their need to remember their large home range. So, okay. Interesting. Um, this stuff is so rooted in science. Uh, that's, what, that's what really got me, you know, to these guys when I started reading them. I go, this is yeah. what you need to learn. Good stuff. Um, uh, the often uh, strength, the often reported prodigious upper body strength of the Sasquatch can be properly viewed in the light of human weightlifters, in whom lifting ability rises as the two-third power, two-third power of their weight. If one uses the per <clears throat> pertinent formula for the maximum human weightlifting ability, extrapolated to the weight of the average Sasquatch, it yields a minimum of 1,300 pounds. The build of a Sasquatch in parallel with that of the great apes indicates muscle insertions more distal to the joints with an attendant rise in the mechanical lever arm. This factor, together with presumptive larger muscle cross-sections, suggests that the real capability is apt to be much greater than that of man. Their reported ability to pick up and carry and throw a full 50-gallon drum of diesel fuel, 450 pounds, tip over a commercial trailer or throw a basketball-sized rocks in a high arc to discourage intruders seems not unreasonable in this light. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, so there he's looking at the strength. You know, are these some of these things out of order? Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to get in a fist fight with one. Um, no. <laughs> no. Um... Now we're talking about planter pressure. If one refers to the 
preceding table of calculated weights and foot lengths, one can extrapolate plantar pressure for feet of different sized individuals. It has been pointed out that compressive strength of cartilage has certain inherent limits that can only be exceeded at risk of health and joint integrity of the animal in question. Additionally, compression of the sole beyond the limits of tissue pressure would collapse capillaries and eventually lead to tissue breakdown. Since any animal is likely to be optimally adapted to its weight, support and gait configuration, even a Sasquatch would adhere to such general rules of body design. Right. So, um, and then he goes into these, all these numbers of plantar uh, comparison. But then he goes into foot anatomy. And this is all conjecture of a scientist who studied the statistics of things, including other sciences. The sole of Sasquatch foot is probably several inches thick as revealed by a small rock that was found to have deeply indented a sole. Usually the foot shows no wrinkles or folds, though occasionally scars. The thick sole pad in a man, in man, a tough connective tissue lattice filled with fat, presumably serves to distribute weight on the sole in a much more even fashion than is the case of man. In any case, contrary to popular belief, plantar pressure even in, in even large Sasquatches does not appear to range exorbitantly beyond human values as one would reasonably expect from, an anatomical, from anatomical considerations. That's interesting. Well, that's one of the things I, I didn't necessarily agree with either, Steve, because uh, I, I don't think the tracks he was judging that with were made by uh, actual Sasquatch foot. I think those were made by uh, wooden stompers. Well, you know, and then that's interesting because he used a lot of John Green stuff to come up with those numbers. Yeah. And yeah. we've always said those Blue Ridge Mountain uh, photos right. look awfully right. like Ray yeah. Wallace's stompers and Ray mm-hmm. Wallace, for those who don't know, was the guy who passed away in 2004 where his family went into his garage and found these wooden stompers. Right. And, you know, uh, the interesting thing, he was like the boss of Jerry Crew. Um, right. And where they, but the stompers looked nothing like the Jerry Crew tracks. Right. So. Yeah. Well, the, well, those stompers, they were a carved wood. So if uh, Wallace was wearing those and he stepped on a rock, and then the chances are that rock could have embedded in that wood, yeah. and then that he left exactly. subsequent stamp. But that—that that was the only thing that I had. I mean, it's a lot of good stuff, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, growth and life cycle. He starts talking about growth and life cycle. <clears throat> and this, again, this is all based on his statistical study. Right. And uh, he used that uh, to see if. Originally, he used the bell curve, uh, the, the study to see if a bell curve would emerge. And if it was a bell curve, that would point to a legitimate species existing because yeah. they would range in a bell curve of all what they've seen. <clears throat> there are extremes in one way or the other, and they're the same with, you know, us, us humans. So, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's very pertinent that it came out in a bell curve. It wasn't all over the map like something fake would be. Right. So... Uh, since all the data, uh, since all most almost all of the data presented here are gender neutral, it is next to impossible. And he, actually, that's kind of funny. He used that term, gender neutral, that's right before the time. Before its time, <laughs> um, it is not impossible to extract values for presumptive sexual dimorphism. Beyond that, we have no idea of the age of any animal that has been cited beyond comparing a juvenile one 
to the age of the corresponding children. Here I have endeavored to apply what minimal data we have to estimate age and a growth curve. <clears throat> in, in the case of the female of the species, I should emphasize that this curve is predicated on the growth of the feet rather than general somatic dimensions, which would follow a different curve. Mm. So, um, so he talks about infancy. Uh, so oh, I'm gonna uh, go off camera for a second here, Steve. I'm gonna step over and grab a ski out of the fridge. Okay, right, you right go there. do that. Yep. So in in doing this, he spoke about uh, saying that uh, I have taken the local uh, taken the foot lengths of human neonates and and mountain gorilla newborns as a starting point about three and a half inches for a sasquatch the smallest four to five inches long the length corresponds to the mean of the human foot at one year which is the age i have arbitrarily assigned to these prints although walking is probably initiated earlier than man so uh very interesting stuff there uh infant uh adulthood to the opposite high uh, uh, high endpoint of the graph, I have collected all records consisting of a single large set of prints accompanied by one set of baby footprints smaller than seven inches on the assumption that the mother, by implication, a mature, no longer growing female, is most likely the exclusive adult companion of a juvenile for the first few years of its life. The largest footprints of the presumptive female accompanied by an infant have measured 18 and a half inches. So... And this is all off of data and, and citing reports that have been, you know, incredibly researched over the years. Way years before social media, we're probably talking about reports from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, so all of this stuff uh, is very well dated. Um, and that's why it's so damn important to go back to this type of information. Um right. So there's a lot more on footprints. Uh, he talks about nocturnality. This is something that's very uh, interesting. The nocturnality of the Sasquatch has been questioned on occasion. This trait can be considered from a statistical standpoint. Take a hypothetical area random seated with Sasquatches evenly distributed during day and night. Their apparent temporal distribution will depend on them being seen by human observers. Assume a very conservative ratio of such alert observers during daylight. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So we have all these numbers. So, the, so what he's saying is, is that the ratios are showing that it leans towards, even though they've been seen less at night than in the daytime, we are more prevalent in the daytime than we are at nighttime. So, uh, yeah. using the, the ratios, it would appear that uh, the ratio shifts to 58% in favor of night sightings. Hmm. So... Well, see, you know, all my sightings have occurred during the day where I could actually see them. And at nighttime, that's the only time I've had sightings of eye shine, which that's the all, all I could get, eye shine, you know. Uh, what were those eyes connected to? I really didn't get a good you know, look. You know, you could figure out about how, how, how high off the ground they were and stuff, but uh, you really couldn't see what they were connected to, so. Uh, I, I, I believe, I'm a firm believer that they're maybe not as active during the day, but there are still places in their areas that they will be active. Right. Here's another interesting uh, note, too, is change in coat color with age. A suspected gradual darkening in hair color with adulthood was explored and not confirmed by the database, which means he couldn't tell, mm. uh, basically, which produces identical height averages for coat colors grouped from dark through medium to light. 
some tendency toward a geographical climb in coat color. Lightning with an example, lightning in higher altitudes has been suggested in the literature with limited data. Mm. So that is very interesting stuff. Yeah, you know, the, the coat color has always caught my attention too. Right. And like I say, this is science that's not really out there too much. Uh, if you poke around, mm -hmm. you probably can find some of it. But, uh, you know, even the site that I had gotten this off of, the owner has passed away. So, um, like I said, this is stuff that, that's why many years ago I printed these and put them in sheet protectors. Because this stuff is part of my, what I call my Bigfoot Bible. So if I have questions about stuff where I need to go back and refer, um, not only do I have books by Krantz and, and, and Meldrum, but, I, you know, if I have to refer back to some information, I always look at my Henry Fahrenbach stuff. If I have questions about tracking, I always look at my Tim Cohen stuff. And, you know, I don't know everything. And people ask me sometimes a question that I have no clue and I have to go to my reference material to look at. So that's why I built myself a pretty awesome reference set. Uh, long and time where are Grover Krantz's bones now? Uh, are they at the Smithsonian? Or? That is correct, as is his okay. dogs. Right. I so, need to, that's in DC, and I gotta go see. I gotta go see him one of these days. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Grover. I don't think he's gonna say hi back. <laughs> no, he's not. He says he's hi back. Oh my God, zombies! Um. <laughs> okay. It, yeah, it's a, he's at the Smithsonian. Yes. Okay. So he did another uh, little interesting thing on uh, Doctor uh, Wolf Hanner Farrenbach. Uh, in 1997, he wrote a piece about Sasquatch smell uh, and aroma. <laughs> oh, snap. Steve Coles, there are two of them. One Bigfoot cloaking for sure, then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The cloaking Bigfoot. Oh, by the way, you didn't see I'm sitting next to a Bigfoot tonight. It's cloaked. Really. Um. You know, I, I was going to avoid a political comment tonight, but this one just, this one kind of got me. Um, you know, we've talked about Dr. Matt Johnson, mm. and um, <laughs> I think it was like the last week of October, uh, Dr. Johnson released something in his group that basically said, Zorth says Donald Trump's going to win. Oh, Zorth. You can't make up this stuff. Make sure his Krantz's bones are in the lower level in the kids' section. Oh, my God. Well, there's oh. a flipping happy sight. Well, and we dang. are doing well, OT. Good to see you back, brother. Hi, OT. So, um, what Henner wrote about um, uh, Sasquatch smell is only about 10% or so of Sasquatch sightings are connected with a strong smell. Uh, that's according to John Green. On some occasions, however, the smell has been reported to be unbearable, overpowering, akin to being wrapped in dirty diapers. Yeah, it's pretty close. There are persistent suggestions that the smell is turned on on demand. Uh, an illuminating hmm. observation comes from the mountain gorilla as recorded by Diane Fossey. She describes males as producing an overpowering, gagging fear odor, either when fleeing from enemies such as uh, poachers with dogs 
or else in confrontational encounters with other males. The smell is intense at a distance of 80 feet. Coincidentally, accompanied by discharge of a diarrheic stool, as human gorilla observers are known to have emulated when charged by a male gorilla. (laughs) (laughs) Very very slick way of a a joke there. Uh, It can be justly surmised that Diane Fossey was used used to rather intense primate aromas after months in the jungle. George Schaller describes the odor as a mixture of sweat, manure, charred wood, and burning rubber. The origin of the odor between, uh, appears to be in the axillary organ, a mass of apocrine sweat glands, many layers deep in the armpit. A marginal, a marginal comment in a gorilla autopsy report comments on one gland smelling and the other not, an indication of neutral control over the discharge. Hmm. That's very interesting. Hmm. Um. Well, that's something that I hadn't quite ever understood, really, and maybe we will someday, but why uh, some sightings are associated with a very strong odor, and some sightings are maybe no odor at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Here's something interesting. The sense of smell in a Sasquatch, in keeping with that of other higher primates, is apt to be no better than of man being unperturbed by smoking or other injuries. The gorilla parallel consists of Diane Fossey climbing a tree with a juvenile gorilla, experimentally introduced into a troop and rescued by her while being maltreated. The enraged alpha male circled the tree, repeatedly uh, repeatedly failing... Oh, circled the tree, repeatedly failing bullets without detecting... By detecting him by his smell, repeated reports of people feeling like they are being obvious cause may be conceivable due to a hormonal hormonal component of Sasquatch sweat perceived uh, perceived below conscious level, although it elicits an immediate emotional response. As such, it would be true to example of a release of pheromone, a substance that produces a neural response in a minute in, min, in minute quantities in one that has not been experimentally demonstrated in man. Such a response would be independent of any reported aroma of any sort. Other demonstrated effects of pheromones in humans have been designed as primers, signals, and modulators. Okay. So, I I thought it was going to cause a fear response, but it really all... um... So, uh, what do I think of the cloaking oh. yowie photo? I don't. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. Nah. Is it on YouTube? I don't know. Cloaking yowie. Cloaking yowie. <clears throat> now, I have seen some uh, videos on YouTube where people had uh, reportedly taken of these cloaking Sasquatch. And uh, to me, it just looks like uh, nonsense. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that's just, that's me. You know, back to basics. <laughs> yeah. If Sasquatch cloaks, why do we still? Why do we see them at all? Mm. You know that that's that would be uh, the photo from the thirties. Well, probably uh, probably some misinterpretation there, I guess. Um, but anywho, um, people uh, love Photoshop. They really, yeah, they really Photoshop is rampant. Look at the <laughs> look at that one with the the dead bear. 
know. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a good one. And the the Civil uh, War guys with the uh, pterodactyl. Yeah, that the pterodactyl. Was cool. That's another one. Uh, that actually may be uh, um, uh, a rather newer one. Just uh, uh, mm-hmm. hello, Ron. Good to see you. Hey, Ron. Um, there's more too you know (laughs) yeah uh let's see i'm trying to see who wrote this particular article this is also part of uh some of the stuff that i've got tons of i think this is gonna be um this is unsourced um but i believe i got it from the same grouping of but very interesting uh commonalities The discussion about that smell, though, that is something that is really perplexing. And I have experienced that exact thing. Uh, I've had a sighting where the smell was, it would gag you. I mean, to the point of you're getting ready to spill your lunch, okay? And I've had sightings that had no odor whatsoever. But in all fairness, though, I... I cannot recall if the wind direction was the same each time. The, it may have been, you know, they may smell like that all the time. And just when I had another sighting with no odor, the wind maybe had been blowing toward the creature away from me where I couldn't pick up that odor. But, uh, you know, that there's many, many reports uh, will report an odor. And there's many reports that said, you know, didn't smell anything. So it's really odd. I'm just watching. I've never seen Quickwitty in here before. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I doubt it's the best Bigfoot photo ever. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Well, I I don't even have to look at it and pretty sure it's not the best Bigfoot photo. If it's one you've taken yourself, it's always the best thing since the Patterson-Gimlin film. What is this guy, 150 years old? He said it was from 1930. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, he probably didn't take that one. (laughs) But, you know, that's true, though. If you take one yourself, you're like, oh, my God, this is great. But, you know, when you show somebody, they're going to be like, "Uh, what is it? What's that blob squatch? You know, that's. Are this leaves or is that a stump? What is that? That is the way. Yeah. That is the way. (laughs) Speaking of. (laughs) Speaking of. You've been watching that lately? The the Mandalorian? I have. Yeah, it's back on Disney again. It has. Boy, that episode last week caused an uproar amongst the the internet. (laughs) Oh, I've I've watched it. I I thought it was pretty easy. I didn't see anything controversial about it. Well, the, people, the internet went crazy because Baby Yoda was eating all the eggs. Oh. <laughs> he wasn't being, he was not being an innocent little twerk. Twer- right, he was, yeah. He was. <laughs> well, you know, he's, he was hungry. I mean, you know, food source. Yeah. So Dave, Dave Winter checked out our photo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. Yeah. We, we appreciate your effort. David, we, yeah. you know, uh, maybe perhaps we'd like to get you on the show sometime. That would be awesome to have David. David, very knowledgeable guy. And uh, it would be fun to have him on the show. Uh, if he's oh, up for Ron, it, give me a, Ron's got a good comment. Put Ron's comment up. 
So the primatologist explained to me that certain primates emit an odor when they feel threatened. Yep. yep. Or they're we terribly, did. yeah, territories being invaded. Inv yep. Yeah, invaded. We just uh, read uh, Dr. Krantz's uh, yeah. summation on that, too. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I remember when I got the Fordan cast. And, uh, and I remember doing these vocalizations and whatever we were doing there, tree knocking vocalizations, doing whatever, and then something moved. And I remember hearing that, and that smell just, bang, there it was, right there. Mm. And just as quick as it was there, it was gone, and mm -hmm. never to return. Yeah. And that's what it made it so, so interesting. I mean, it would be something to say, okay, I got this track, and I know the track wasn't there before. It was fresh. We heard something. But we had, you know, the, the scan before we went there, and, and then, okay, there's a track. But not only that, but we heard it. And then not only we heard it, we smelt it. And the smell came and went with the noise of the movement. Right. Now, somebody tried to say, oh, well, maybe it was a bear. Well, I don't know. Where I was, I haven't seen a bear in 20 years. Maybe a little further to the north by a, north by about a mile or so. But, um, yes, like a green fog. <laughs> Uh, that that was worse um, than my Uncle Louie on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> we moved all way. Oh, Uncle Louie went to the bathroom. Uh, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. If anybody has is, is not smelled one, believe me, it's not something that you want to no, look forward not, to. Not at all. It, it's definitely a sickening, uh, nauseous odor. Yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah, I, it was really hard to say. Um because it moved, I would say, north of us, and we were south of it. Yeah. So uh, it moved, it moved uh, going from the west to the east, mm. uh, roughly in an arc um, around us, uh, traveling uh, west. So uh, I don't know what quick wit he's trying to do here. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it's just their natural stink or if it's something of an apocrine gland, like, uh, or some kind of olfactory weapon. I, you know, I don't think, uh, I, I really don't think that we threatened it much, but I, I don't know, maybe because we upset it or something, it, it kicked right. up that smell. Um, yeah, I mean, and then the next day we came back, found the trackway, which was amazing, too. We actually tracked it for quite a distance to a stream, and then we kind of lost it in the stream. So, uh, very, very uh, interesting thing, and that was really cool. I had, uh, at the time, I think we tracked it. I think, uh, I know Bill Brand was with me. Frank Cicienski was with me. Uh, I think Brian Goslin even might have been with me when we did that, too. Um, just uh, an amazing, uh, amazing set of circumstances. And uh, it was just like one of those things like, wow, you know, finally got a cast and we have all this other, um, you know, um, circumstantial evidence around it to say, hey, you know, there it is. Um, and you're right, Ron. He says it could be another distractive tool. Um, that's very true. 
Um, could it have another one been out there and it was trying to draw us away from it? I, I don't know. It, it didn't. Uh, we we uh, we found the track. Uh, then we went back, got the plaster, came back, and we, we, we did the track. So it didn't really uh, shoo us away. I don't think that was its intention. Um, and that, that's the same area where a, uh, the same year that when we did the monster quest that mm -hmm. the, 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 the um, nuts or the acorns or the rocks were being thrown at, at a couple of the Nesra members that were uh, staked out very close to that hill. They were at the base of the hill where the thing had walked by. So that was yeah. also uh, very interesting as well. So yeah, there's yeah. some guys in the chat talking about smell and, and, uh, what the humans would smell like if they spent uh, a week in the wild. And that's true. You know, we would smell completely different than we do, you know, now. Oh, yeah. But uh, deer hunters have been capitalizing on this for years. Now, the great deer hunters, the ones that are really serious about it, they buy this product, and I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. There's a couple of things you get. You can get uh, it's laundry detergent. When you wash your clothes in it, it neutralizes all odors. And when you pull the clothes from the washer or the dryer or whatever, they smell like fresh dirt. <laughs> you can get uh, soap uh, for when you take your shower. Uh, and when you soap up, lather up real good. When you get done, you get all the human smells off of it. And sure enough, you smell like dirt. And so that is an option to use if you're going to be doing some serious researching. Uh where you don't want to be found out by your odor, just use the stuff that makes you smell like dirt. Yep. Smell like a pack of wild yetis. Uh, <laughs> David said, I smell like cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the kicker. You, you have to understand that a Sasquatch is naturally curious. So if they're going to smell something, yeah, they're going to check it out. You make a noise. They're going to check it out. That's, that's the primate mentality. We, you, they yeah. hear a boom, you know, all the little guy, the four legged animals run the other way. All the two legged animals go, well, what was that? You know, they want to, they want to see what's the cause of the disturbances. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, you know, you know, at, at one point in time, I, I thought I had all this figured out with a, a take a ghillie suit and I'd put the ghillie suit on and smelling like dirt. And I would go out in the woods, sit down by a tree and just sit there and listen and wait. And the only thing really that ever became out of that research is I got scared myself once <laughs> because there was a turkey that walked up behind me. And I thought it was bipedal movement. I thought, there's one right behind me. <laughs> well, it was bi bi bipedal. It was a bipedal turkey. It was a turkey. Yeah, it was a turkey. Yeah. Scared me to death. But yeah. Thought I was had, you know. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Uh, what I smell was burning like ammonia and death, hmm. and that to me indicates that there may have been urine involved with that one, hmm. because you know, uh, you know, I if you've ever smelled some cats that are yeah, on some yeah. bad diets, they smell like yeah. pure ammonia when they pee. So yes, uh, urine can, especially high pH urine, can get. Uh, very ammonia-like. So perhaps uh, it was a, a Sasquatch that was eating something rather acidic 
And there's a question for you, Dave, was is the area, you know, is it prone to having some acidic type of vegetation or fruit um, mm. that may have caused that urine to smell that bad? Or maybe they just bad. Yeah. And Mick, that's a good point. Some hardcore hunters will douse themselves with dough urine. And, you know, even more hardcore than that, some of them will gargle with it. <laughs> this is true. They will gargle with it. So when they breathe out, they're not uh, emitting, uh, you know, anything that. <laughs> uh, that'd make a good Listerine commercial. And then gargle with dough urine. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Can we have somebody on the show that will admit to have done that? Can we? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, I don't think we'll ever find anybody. Anyway. Nobody will ever admit that. I wouldn't admit it. <laughs> and that, that is very true. They, you know... Um... Some people, uh, you know, he said, I knew a guy who reserved squatches by using old used horse blanket. So that makes right. sense. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting. And uh, OT, is they're going to try that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you let us know, OT, how that works uh, out. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Gargle with dough urine. I don't think I want to drink this now. Uh, <laughs> it looks too close, doesn't it? What is that, peach snapple? No, that's like an orange <coughs> drink. Uh, yeah, uh, that doesn't even look good. No, it doesn't. That's we got to get off the subject. I know, I'm going to drink my coffee. Or but, you know, this stuff, that does make sense. I mean, yes, people have doused themselves with dough urine. And, you know, it does kill the human smell. Plus, you know why they're doing it. They're baiting Mr. Buck to come in. You know, he, he smells romance. And I, I agree with you 100% there, David. They already know you're their enemy. Why go to Link's try to hide? It's just commonly yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know what? The funny thing is there have been reports of, you know, people hearing laughter. You know, like, uh, like this funny kind of uh, laugh. With mm. Sasquatch. I wonder if we, we do things that are funny to the Sasquatch. I think they just look at us from a distance and laugh because, hey, look, they have no hair. <laughs> mm. um, especially people like me and you, Chris. Mm. But, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, uh, you're right, David. They Why go through all that? They know you're there anyway. Anyway, um, I guess if you want to try to sneak on one, you know, and cover yourself with a... a, a, a a horse blanket or whatever and sit there for a couple of days making very minimal movements with some some food there you may have some luck um you'll definitely see some other uh, wildlife for sure i don't know yeah that's the thing you know i i've set out in the woods like not for days but <laughs> for like a whole day at a time and i could yeah. see squirrels and rabbits and you know you can be surprised what just strolls right by you but uh, I never saw what I was looking for. And Ron even said, uh, you know, you have to know the rest of the story why you use the horse bike. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David says, go out there dressed like Elton John or Little Roger. Give him something really good to laugh at. Well. <laughs> go out there in a marching band <laughs> uniform. Dee, 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 dee. Um, no. Well, um, that's the thing. You know, 
I think the more noise you make, the more apt you are to have a sighting. I mean, you, if you try to hide from one and, and, and sneak up on them, you're going to fail. Yep. But if you go out there with, you know, the, the first sighting I had locally here was with my, you know, five-year-old kid. And he was making the awfulest rackets, you know, you could imagine screaming, running, laughing. And I'm sitting here thinking, yep. well, there's no way I'm never going to see anything here because, you know, if there was anything here from 10 miles away, I could hear this kid. Well, you, you may have had the secret ingredient there bringing a child with you. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, they, they heard the child. That's bait. something they know. That's you know, you know, animals have that that instinct. Or right. Pe even people, we know when we see a baby animal, what's the first? We're drawn to it. Right. You know, yeah. um, you know, you see a baby rabbit, you see a baby alligator, we're drawn to it. Even, yeah. you know, <laughs> even even young of a, of another species or another, you know, uh, a class uh, of animal, we are drawn to it to help it, to aid it, to assist it. Um, or to observe it. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That that could be um, uh, exactly why you had the reaction you did. Um, yeah, they they <laughs> David they don't munch on on, on they're probably munching on acorns. <laughs> yeah, that's their, that's their popcorn. Maybe I don't know. Or pine cones or something. I. Mm. Or maybe just picking up, you know, liver bits. Well, you know, it's hard for me to judge other areas of the country, but <laughs> in Kentucky, we have a lot of hardwood trees. And we have a lot of nuts trees. We have uh, hick hickory. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we have a lot of nuts. We do that too. But uh, a hickory nut, <laughs> which in local terms is called a hicker nut. Okay, they're all over the all a scaly bark tree. They're all over the forest. Uh, you know, of course. Then you got your uh, uh, the other nuts that like uh, walnuts and um, and not nobody really eats acorns around here, but hickory nuts and walnuts and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And there are in some cases you will find a lot of wild pecans, but you know those those are not really as popular as the rest. I could easily walk is that, five is that minutes. How they, is that how they say that in the South? What's that? Pecans. Yeah, pecan. Okay. Or you could say pecans. Some of them that's, say pecans. That's what we say in the North. We say well, pecans. We some, you could pecan pie or some pecan pie. But, you know, where I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm just out out of town. And yeah, you, you were talking about the deer, the deer urine early. You know where you keep that? In the pecan. <laughs> it all comes wah, full wah, circle wah. people it all comes full circle oh that's terrible uh, <laughs> don't but quit anyway, my day job you know there's a lot of nuts out there so you know you would think that that would be one <laughs> yes you can find that them would, over there in Zorthland. Um, yeah sorry. that would be one one food food source that they would uh use if they don't use it there's something odd about it because their nuts are, are rich in uh, protein and there are quite a few calories. Uh, if you don't have to expend that many calories to get the, the break the shell of the nut, then, uh, you know, you got a surplus there. Uh, the problem is with humans, you know, we have to type things like pliers and <laughs> hammers <laughs> and stuff like that to break open a, a, a hickory nut. But I'm sure if you're <laughs> no, strong enough. No, we say pockens. Pockens. Uh, well, we say pecans here. Ron says pecans. Yeah, yeah. Con. <laughs> I'll do it. 
<laughs> Pecan! Con! Uh, anyway, oh, God, the show has digressed as usually it does this Sorry, late in the evening. Well, you know, I keep bringing up nuts. <laughs> well, there's a lot of nuts in the Bigfoot world. This is true. This is true. Uh, yeah. So I, I think we can wrap up our discussion tonight because I don't think we have time to get into another topic necessarily and discuss it fully. Yeah, but, but we've, we've had one hell of a great time, man. Yeah, yeah, we're we're down to the last seventeen minutes. But you know, uh, anybody wants to bring up anything, go right ahead. Uh, other than a cloaking Sasquatch. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's getting close to uh, Thanksgiving. Um, yes. So we should have some more uh, pecan pie somewhere. But uh, I don't know if we're going to have very many family gatherings in Kentucky. And that's probably going to be the same way across the United States because of the way this dang COVID stuff is doing now. But uh, squatches in Texas love pecans. Oh, they yeah. Sure. Makes sense. Do they grow pecan? Do they grow pecans oh. in Texas? Oh, do they? And New Mexico. I mean, you know, I was surprised. I don't know. I, I never, I never, um, never thought about that. Ron Bowles makes yeah. up. You also have persimmons. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's kind of funny. I got a persimmon, you know, right in front of my house, right in front of the office on the other side, right oh. out there. And one day I'm out there. I go out to have a smoke out there and I, I turn to my right and just sitting there eating. There's a deer. Yeah. Like 10 feet from me. I'm like, oh. I look at it like, good morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, they love them. Don't eat a green one. The green one, oh, my God. Oh. I don't eat any of them. Oh, oh well, persimmons are good. Yeah. Not the green ones. Uh, just like they're, Yeah, but you don't see what my dog does to that tree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, so there's there's some other wild foods that grow around here too that are not not real commonly eaten by humans you know anymore. Uh, I, I I can't think of one. It's like a little. It's like a wild banana, and I can't think of the name of it. Um, uh, crap! Plantain? After the sh- no, <laughs> no, huh. no. After the show, it'll come to me. But you know, normally bananas and stuff like that won't grow in Kentucky. We don't have the climate for it. But there's another. Uh, plant that uh, it's not really that common anymore that tastes the fruit from it tastes like a banana it's really good uh but the name has eluded me time 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 uh i don't have a beef with the reverend jeff (laughs) so (laughs) oh ron pawpaws that's right ron bowles got it thank you ron Pawpaws. pawpaws that's right that's right just like the old uh, folk song, picking up pawpaws, putting them in my bucket. You know, that's exactly in right. Fact, you know, in fact, I'd love to get the Reverend Jeff on this show. He's fun. He's a fun guy. Old, older guy, knows his stuff. Very, very down to earth type of guy. Um, uh, it runs a great podcast called The Squatcher's Lounge. You know, he does a show every now and again. Talks about, you know, stuff like we do. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Um, 
We had, we had the greatest audience, though. Let Our me, audience uh, is the greatest out of any of the shows. Uh, you guys are so smart. I'm tickled to death to have you. Absolutely. Now, here's another interesting thing. Um, um, uh, yes, absolutely. I've been on his show, too. Great guy. I have a lot of fun with him. Yeah. Him on. We, have, so we have some good laughs. Um, one thing I want to say before I, I, I talk about... Um, uh, somebody has a question about okay, mixed question. I'm going to get to mixed question in a second. Um, but uh, the you know people asked about the uh, the uh, Pridgen, uh video, aka the New York Baby video. <clears throat> you know, people say, well, why would would a Sasquatch bring its young so close? to a music festival just across the lake and all that other stuff. Hmm. And when I went up there, not only was it the remnants of a, an old apple orchard, right. but there was there were wild strawberries, wild raspberries. Right. Uh, it was a farm there. Right. And there, uh, there was so much fruit there that I could have pulled off and probably camped there and lived off the fruit. Right. So that is exactly why. So it made sense to me, you know, that, well, why? Well, that's an easy question because you got to know the vegetation there and you got to know yep. the fauna there and you got to know the food supply there. It was abundant. So, and, you know, I got to admit, you know, on that New York baby video, I was a, I was in total denial for the thank, longest time. Thank you, Rod. I would love to have him on. That would be a lot yeah. of fun to have the re good Reverend Don. I, that was one of the videos that I was highly skeptical of. And even years ago, me and Steve went back and forth over this. But finally, the points that I had against it were 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 addressed. And to my satisfaction, uh, you know, at first I'm thinking somebody's monkey. You know, somebody's monkey. That's it. Yeah. Somebody's monkey. You know, no. <laughs> no, they just they just add the quick buddy. They just add the proper ambiance. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> we we haven't heard a, a Yorkie or a, a right. You got Yorkies, right? You yeah, they're right. they're they're actually calmed down. I guess they really... <laughs> he he slipped him a barbiturate before the <laughs> show. <laughs> Here, take this. Gave all a nice tap to the top of the head before the show. <laughs> no, I'll, I wouldn't abuse the Yorkies. No, actually, thank goodness they they have calmed down and. uh Everybody's asleep now. Seems to be. Seems to be. <laughs> um, okay, so Mick asked a question back here. Is there any news from Carmine Dyer or How Not to Hunt? Well, the first two know. Uh, Mr. How to Hunt, of course, uh, released this alleged picture that sent, got sent to him uh, by somebody saying it was a trail cam. It looked horrible. Um, I'll put it up there. Um, there it is. People wanted to know that was the, mm. you know, I, I don't know. So, uh, supposedly it comes from a female biologist. That sounds kind of bullshit mm. to me. Pardon my French, but you know, okay, why isn't that person? Why would the person send it to him and not, you know, their biologist for God's sakes? So, yeah. I, you know, I'm not buying it. So, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, and you know he has posted. You know, we we showed uh, that <clears throat> as far as uh, quickly he says. Uh, I think how to hunt loses credibility with every video. He he is. He's dropping a lot of names. He's trying to make waves to get attention to himself. <clears throat> uh, 
um, you know, here we've been doing the same thing here for the last, Chris, it's going to be 15 years next, next uh, September. Really? Yeah. yeah. 15 years this show September 2021 this show will be 15 years old so we're we're slowly well, yeah but, you know I wasn't around for the entire duration you know I, well you've been um, here for the last 11, most of it yeah most of it <laughs> yeah most of it yeah most of it um Ron asked about the Mississippi swamp squatch tearing into the cypress tree I think we looked at that way back last year and we yeah. kind of noticed a, a hole in the yeah, back he had a of the pair. He had a tear in his uh, in his suit. Yeah, if you look closely, there seems to be a tear right where the shoulders seam would be in a costume, and it seems to change shape as it kind of uses the left arm. It was very very well done and very entertaining. He just had a little issue there with his uh, suit, yeah. but it really looked interesting for a and, while. And again, you got to look at the story behind it. Why did you stop taping? Why don't we only have like 30 seconds of this? Why don't we have like 10 minutes of this? Yeah. Why don't we have any it walking off? Why don't we have it, you know, uh, you know, people say, well, I got scared and I ran away. Well, you stood there for like 35 seconds filming the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why don't we just carry on? It was kind of like that whole Bigfoot peeper thing, you know. Oh, well, you know, I filmed it for eight minutes. And e even though the film was allegedly destroyed in his, mo in his mom's house that had a fire, <laughs> Um, oh. you know, uh, question about the Memorial Day footage. Well, here's the interesting thing. Uh, there is some conjecture about the Memorial Day footage. You know, first there was the, oh, maybe it was carrying an infant on the, on the shoulder. And then some people say, no, he took its mask off and let it mm. hang behind them. Yeah. Uh, but the audio, uh, was the most condemning of the video because when they finally released the audio to the video uh there wasn't astonishment about it there was actually hey look there's a bigfoot <laughs> boy i bet yeah. you can make a million dollars off of that <laughs> and there was yeah. a lot of laughing so that kind of threw that one under the bus a bit i think yeah so for the most of us the more they footage is yeah you know meh Man, and not to mention when uh, the original documentary that preceded uh, Monster Quest was Sasquatch when Legend Meets Science. And uh, Dr. Meldrum was a major part of that show. That's why he eventually wrote his book with the same title. But prior to that, there was a, I think, an hour special on, um, I believe it was on A&E at the time. Uh, I could be wrong. could be History Channel. Um, no, I think it was on History Channel. Um, and they did a documentary, um, and, uh, showed, um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm reading the comments at the same time, so sometimes I Yeah, get, the chat room is hopping. <laughs> yeah, it's hopping. Um, and, and they had, uh, this guy run it, uh, as well, and, uh, they he actually ran it faster than the Sasquatch did, and at the same time, yeah, you know, so that, it, it was kind of really like disappointing for the Memorial Day footage. That was and, another thing, and I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily nervous uh, laughter. 
uh, because they were joking um, mm. about making money. Oh, we can make yeah. a million dollars off of this. <laughs> that was a nervous laugh. When you're saying I can make a million dollars off of something and, and, and having a laugh about it, I don't think that's... Uh, the, the, releasing the show with Baxter, yes, uh, that's not a bad idea. I got to find that. It. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I got to find it. I may not have it anymore. And unfortunately, I think my person, my uh, person I knew who had the archive of it, um, I think, uh, um, I really think uh, that he lost it. So I don't know if we can recover that one. I'll see what I can do though. And Planet Orca, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> that is a great. That is a great uh, avatar there. <laughs> um. Ken, uh, Ken asked about the Marble Mountain video. Well, that, that's something interesting. I, I've looked at that sporadically. I always thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but again, it's without the fine detail in that. The one that really makes me interesting uh, interested was the biologist who was up in uh, British Columbia, and him and his buddies actually videotaped some uh, uh, a bipedal person walking... Um, are, are walking along this this mountain ridge by themselves and even the biologist thought it may have been a sasquatch so uh maybe we can get that guy on or we can take a look at that at another time uh but yeah that one really piqued my interest marble mountain's tough because they also found some some shelters allegedly too and they were filming yeah. that and then they they saw that so and i remember the days of wait never seeing that getting some of the the pictures from it but not not actually seeing the video. Now we can see the video. Uh, thank thank goodness for advancements in the internet. And uh, <laughs> the ramen noodle incident with Henry. Well, actually, let me Nick. <laughs> was that on the Was that on this show or was it on no, the show? No, no. We replayed that one. That was actually on the Sasquatch Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I Billy was Billy Will was filling in for Sean Fork. <coughs> it was uh, Fork and, um, uh, or maybe it was on Billy's show when he had it. I don't know. Sasquatch uh, Watch Radio, um, and Eric was on. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember. Yeah, but I know. I don't think Henry was on on this. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm my memory's gone. I, I can't. You know, we we got to get we got to get Henry May back on, and he does yes, video, do. so we got to get Henry back on. But I know Henry watches The Walking Dead. Yeah, and that's on Sunday, so we'll we'll see if we can't get Henry on too. Miss Henry, yeah, we got so many. I want to get Dave Winter. I want to get Henry. I want to get uh, Reverend Jeff on. We'll have a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um. So yeah, we got a lot going on, and uh, hopefully this back will keep straightened out. <laughs> So anyway, folks, guess what time it is? It's just a few minutes out, uh, just a couple of minutes away left of show. But I want to I want to thank everybody for coming back. Uh, we're going to keep on moving on. I'm glad to see a couple of new names. I, I know Quick Witty is kind of new. We haven't seen him or her uh, on the show. I uh, believe it's a him. And as Darkness Looms, new to the show. Glad to see you guys. Planet um, Norca. <laughs> Planet Norca, welcome to the show. And uh, uh, if I can find 
Planet Anarcha. Yes, welcome to the show. And uh, if you guys got shows on, on YouTube, let me know. Send me an email. My email is admin at squatchdetective.com, A-D-M-I-N at squatchdetective.com. And uh, we can, uh, you know, we, maybe we can help each other out. Cross-promote. That's what it's all about. Um, but anyway, uh, Chris, uh, you know, um, uh-oh, <laughs> Lowrider's been lurking. Hello, Lowrider. Good to see you. Lowrider. Yeah, welcome. And uh, Quick Witty, thank you so much. Welcome aboard. It's always fun. Like I said, we have the greatest greatest yeah. audience here. We have a lot of fun. And we yeah. try to keep things lighthearted. We try to put out the best information possible without uh, without a, without a crap uh, or trying to make something into something that's not. Yeah. When we have guests on that are witnesses, we try to have some of the best witnesses that we can. Uh, you know, so we try to give names when we can, if we can't audience understands, but understand this too, is that when I put, usually when I put an, an anonymous guest on the show, they're not anonymous to me or Chris. Yeah. So, and, uh, don't forget to check out, uh, Cam Young's uh, Sasquatch research page on Facebook. It's Cam yeah. Young's Sasquatch research page. Go over there. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He's trying like a banshee to take a look at things and uh you know he's talked to a lot of different people been on a lot of different shows good guy good guy and uh he's from uh, one of our canadian researchers so cheers to you up there and i've always said this too i said i put this on facebook last week <laughs> on on november 4th i said yep the uh i saw this off another post but it said yeah right now all the canadians feel like they they live in the apartment above the meth lab <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh but anyway uh you know folks out there please uh um yep guys throw your, your stuff out there so guys you know please yeah. give us a like a share and uh please subscribe hit that notification bell let you know when we're doing a video i don't always do just these live shows although haven't had much yeah. time lately i'm back to work but uh we'll be posting some other videos up there too so uh chris you want to say Guys, some other stuff uh, again i just want to thank everybody for joining us from uh youtube facebook and all the other platforms and remember youtube guys you know hit the like subscribe you know ring the bell uh it helps the channel it really does tell thank your friends you Tell yeah. your friends. If you got friends that are out there, or researchers are interested in the topic, send them over here because we do not try not to steer anybody wrong. That's for sure. Exactly. So anyway, on behalf of me and everybody here, want to wish everybody a healthy, safe, happy week. And uh, of course, I got to say this. God bless everybody. God bless. Stay away from the COVID. Wear a mask. Keep your social distancing. Wash your hands. We got to say that we want to keep our audience healthy. It's That's not right. about. It's not necessarily about rights. You put. It's not. I put my mask on. Not as. Not as because I'm told to. I put my mask on as a respect to my fellow man, just in case I get it and I don't know it. I don't give it to them, and likewise, I don't want to get it either. So, folks, on behalf of me, everybody, again. Have a great week. Stay healthy. God bless. And of course, keep on squatching. We'll catch you all in a bit. Hey, folks.
folks, you've been watching Squatch DTV. Join us each week, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, for the latest on the Bigfoot mystery. As always, we thank you for being our loyal viewers and encourage all to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Steve Culls. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. God bless. And keep on squatching.